0: Ooh, this week we are getting into the brain how the brain responds to change what we need to do to change the brain i've got mr james silvis on the podcast this week and really all about teaching people how to be high performance i know that when we're looking at changes of behavior changing in relationship. You know some of we have to get and keep in mind the neurology that goes into change and this is why you'll see that I bring on different guests that take on different aspects of life that aren't just only about romantic relationship but about actually optimizing your behavior how to change your behavior because if we want to change our relationships we have to change our behavior in terms of how we communicate how we handle conflict and really becoming the masters of our own biology so James Silvis is going to talk about that this week but before we get into the episode I wanted to tell you that we i will be coming to a city near you ideally i'm coming to san diego san francisco and la and so in san diego i'm going to be there on may 2nd la may 4th and san francisco may 7th all you got to do is go to create the love and then the acronym of the city dot eventbrite.com so create the love sd create the love la create the love sf dot grab your tickets if you have missed the early bird, then all you have to do is use the code Mark podcast, and you will get access and get the early bird pricing because I want to say thank you for listening to this. And maybe as a little another thank you, you could also go leave a five-star review and a written review that really helps me out, that bumps this up and gives it some love and gets it in other people's ears. And speaking of getting stuff in your ears, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves podcast. As you know, we don't just dance in the subject of romantic relationships. We dance in every area that will improve our lives, which means it'll improve our relationships. And this week I'm very honored and excited to bring you James Silves. Did I is that I nailed it? That's it. You nailed it. So, James, for the sake of titles for the people who are obsessed with knowing what someone's title is, what is it that you do?
1: Yeah, so Peak Performance is the title that seems to fit best. I help people get out of their own way, understand their mind, their body, so that they can perform optimally in whatever they do in their life. So
0: James and I had a previous conversation where we just nerded out the first time we met. So I was right. like, man, we got to bring you on the podcast because so much of change in the context of romantic relationships or just relationships in general is about actually changing how your brain works, your thoughts, yes. uh, changing your communication patterns, changing your nervous system response. And, you know, part of it is knowledge, like, hey, I can learn that being more gentle and kind in conflict is better. We, I think we all know that. But then when it actually comes to the time when we're supposed to be different, somehow we still <laughs> default, you know, right? It's like, oh, I got to Wendy's again and I ordered a burger. Again. <laughs> like, how do I not drive? It's like our car is just like, will arrive in five like it just right so how do we even
1: begin that that's a you are you are tasked with the job of solving that. yeah yeah well i think first we got to understand that we think in patterns right we're we're raised in a certain environment with certain stimuli and role models that you know teach us certain things and because in when we're young we don't have any logic and deciphering what's real, what's not, we just accept what is as truth. We have these belief systems, these patterns of thought that get formed and every thought has a chemical associated to it. And so these thoughts that have chemicals cause us to feel certain things and we get used to those feelings. And when we get used to those feelings, we live in those emotional states because they feel comfortable for us. It feels like we're home. So we end up developing these emotional homes unconsciously just because of that's just what we do. And that compounded over the years, you get older and older and older, you have a habitual way of acting. And if you don't peel back those layers and understand where those things came from, what what is causing you to sabotage your success or what's causing you to have the success, then you're just kind of going through life hoping that you have a great life. And if that's your strategy You're going to be disappointed a majority of the time because, you know, life you can't control, but you can't control how you respond to it and how you look at it.
0: No, the idea of hoping that we have a good life is a real, you know, that's going to change a lot of shit, but it's going to create a lot of disappointment when real life comes to us. And as you said, it's how we respond to it. And, you know, I, I always like to think that just when I have it figured out, life hands me a nice twist to remind me that you never know. You know, you never know how it all works, right? Yeah, like just to keep you humble, you know, bring in some humility. So in the context of these emotional homes that we create, you know, we're like Mm -hmm. raised in these families, these cultures, societies, religions. And there's very much that, like, why is it that our, because in hearing you say that, you know, automatically people will probably be like, well, why would I make an emotional home somewhere that doesn't feel good?
1: Right, well, yeah, that's a great question. And this is, a, this is something that I've asked myself too. It's like, if we know that something isn't good for us, why do we keep doing it? And it's because we're, we don't know what we wouldn't feel if we don't feel what we normally feel. And it's kind of like I'd rather stay home in a known pain than let go and possibly get more pain. This is why people stay in relationships too long or they stay at their job that they hate too long because they don't know, they, don't, they like to control because they've had pain and they'd rather control pain that they know than a pain that they don't.
0: Oh, okay. So let's go back to that tongue twister that you had there. <laughs> okay. We wouldn't know, what, what was it? We would, yeah, you know,
1: it's in the flow. Uh, it's, yeah, we don't, we'd rather control a known pain than a pain that we don't know.
0: Ah, So the predictability and knowing that there's certainty around the pain we're experiencing, whether that be in relationship, in life, the way we are situated in our environment, our life, our home, our living conditions, our patterns of communication. So everything that we do, essentially, that is our stasis, you know, the things that we do day in and day out, the choices we make, the bad choices, the good choices, are there because they're predictable. And if we were to make a different choice, we can't predict the uncertainty mm-hmm. of potentially more pain right? we aren't familiar with, so then we don't want to do that, so let's just keep doing crazy shit.
1: Correct, and our identity is tied to the pain. Ah, okay, so in this context, do you mean
0: like like I'm the, uh, like in terms of that victim mindset or, you know, yeah, like,
1: yeah. I'm the one like I, that think ever works out for? Exactly, and some, some people, you know, I think at some point we've all probably been here, but we get attention from our problems yes or we get a sense of significance or we get a sense of uniqueness and people will keep telling the same story because when they do people react a certain way and as low it might not be the attention that they want but it's attend no some attention is better than no attention yes so we continue to use that as a strategy to get needs met you know not at a high level but at some level and so again that goes back to like I, I don't want to risk losing what I know for what I can't predict.
0: Yeah, it's like we know we're going to get breadcrumbs, so we'll keep taking breadcrumbs,
1: right? Instead of well, risking you get a
0: whole loaf star when really on the other, you know, um, uh, my first coach, his name was Kyle Cease. His Kyle Yeah. Cease. Yeah, and I remember him saying, "We can never predict what we're going to get, but we can always measure what we're going to lose because it's already yes. in our life, right? So it's measured, right? But we can never actually know what we're going to gain." And I think that's so true of like, we are attached to the idea of what won't work as opposed Mm -hmm. to like the mountain of possibility, whether it be performance wise or relational wise.
1: Yeah. And like the most powerful thing that we have is our imagination, but we always use it because we're just wired this way as human beings. We use it for the negative because it's a, it's like a survival thought process. You know, we're, we go through our day trying to protect what we think we need to protect. And most of, us, most of the time, we don't have to, but we're just wired to do so. And we get in habits of doing it. We live mostly by the stress hormones inside of our body, always worrying about our bank accounts, our bills, our relationship. Are they going to cheat on me? Am I going to get fired from my job? And we have this, this, this biochemistry that keeps getting released every single day. And when you don't give your body that, it's addicted to it. So it's going to create the self-language in your mind to put yourself back in the environments and the situations that produce that same biochemistry.
0: Hmm. So on a, a simple level, we really just become addicted to a certain way of thinking and a certain way of being. Feeling. And that's yes. why changing is so hard. And feeling, especially Correct. feeling. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard to change because it's at least predictable and it gives us a sense of self, a sense of worth. yes. For those, for you listening, if you do crazy shit and made bad, <laughs> like all of us, right? Right. You know, Like I remember I used to um, hook up and have one night stands and then inevitably in the morning, you know, I'd be showering and my friends in college used to say, you gotta go wash with some shampoo. And so I'd have, <laughs> I'd have a shame over and I'd be showering and I'd be like feeling shitty about myself. Mm. and. One day, I know this is not mind-blowing to anyone listening, <laughs> but one day I literally woke up to the fact that I was feeling that way again. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, why do I keep doing things that hurt me? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, you don't have to. I know that's, to anyone listening, they're like, duh. But that's actually <laughs> what it took. It took this moment where I was like, wait, I'm not listening to the feelings that are coming in to change yes. my life. Yes, yes. And so how do you suggest that someone, like you're going against evolution?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so a a big theme this year for me has been committing to greatness. And I feel greatness is a choice that we all can make. But you have to override the desire for survival and comfort. Anything outside the comfort zone is seen as danger. But you have to literally condition your mind by telling it over and over and over that you're going to be fine on the other side and have a really strong support group that will reinforce that and slowly start getting outside of that comfort zone enough to understand that you're going to be fine on the other side. My professor who I studied under, his name's Dr. Mark Guadagnoli. He's a four-time world-renowned mental performance coach. Guy is uber smart. And one of the concepts he taught me while I was in class was this, um, if you picture a circle inside of a circle, And inside the smaller circle is the comfort zone. And inside the bigger circle is called what is called the stretch zone. And he said, everything that you want, everything that you, your goal is, everything that's outside of you that you desire, it happens in the stretch zone. Nothing that you want happens in the comfort zone. It feels good temporarily, But if you live there, you're going to wake up with regret. You're going to wake up with, I should have, I could have, I would have. And that's just not a good place to be. So figuring out where your current comfort zone is and then purposely and consciously choosing to get outside of it, as small as it might be, start small and go bigger, that that stretch zone will become your new comfort zone. And then you just continue to geometrically get more and more outside of who you used to be until you step into a new version of yourself that proves to you that you can do what you set your mind to.
0: So biologically, when we start to do those things, right? Like when all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm going to start to step into this zone that feels a little freaky. Yeah. What happens biologically? Because I would imagine all of a sudden, like if I'm, because I know what it's like to make a decision that is unlike any decision I've ever made or against everything I was ever taught stepping into an environment that's very unpredictable. I think travel does that really well for people, sort of throws them to the wind. Um, yeah. But what is going to come up for people so that they recognize the biological response that they yes. think, you know, something. Different
1: so yes. Yeah, so the biological response would be sweaty palms. It would be your armpits are going crazy. Your, <laughs> your heart rate elevates massively uh, you start having those thoughts of I can't do this. What am I thinking? I mean, who am I to think that I could live this life, get that job, earn that amount of money and that dialogue's going to come in and that's to try and justify why you should stay where you're at. And if that voice is coming up, that's when you know you actually have to bust through. Like that's the precursor fear and that, that self-talk that I just talked about is the precursor for you to tap into more of your greatness And if you just understand that you're not your thoughts, like you can choose a different thought just because you have a thought doesn't mean that that is you. Mm. If you can step out of that and have an observatory view of it, like just be the observer of the thoughts, you can select a different thought. You have power to do that. That is your human like that is a another like higher upgraded level of your thinking that's possible for you but you can't just think that you're your thoughts and that's i think that was a big thing for me is when i had self-sabotaging language that would come through james who are you when i was younger 24 years old going into these companies selling your services you're too young you don't know anything you're, you're working with 40 50 60 year olds what makes you think that you can do this and all that language was was fear of being rejected, fear of failing, fear of being successful, whatever fear it was, I had to deliberately choose a different thought. In that moment, when that thought came in, I had to interrupt it. And I said, James, you want this, right? This is a goal that you wrote down. This is a dream that you decided on, right? Yes. Okay. Then what is going to help you get enough courage to walk through the door? Because once you walk through the door, you're committed. James, you could do it. I know you're young. I know you don't know enough yet but you have to start somewhere everyone did right and I slowly just start talking myself into that little tipping point where once you make that choice you're in it and you have to do it so it's like that very delicate conversation of like noticing when that self-limiting belief language is coming in and then what you need to tell yourself right in that moment that gets you to take the next step forward
0: yeah. What I hear in there is one, it's a real good sign if the self is coming up, because that means yes. you're about to blow shit up in a good Correct. way. Correct. In, in a good way. way. Yeah. Absolutely. And then that means you're pushing up on your edge. That means yes. it, you're pushing up on what, you know, right. And you're about to expand, mm-hmm. but then you're new, you know, like as you continue to do that, cause I know in my experience, I left a job that was really, you know, I was paid really well. I was, it was predictable. I, could work a certain hours a week, not very many at the end of my job. <laughs> listening, um, But I had to leave all of that predictability of a salary of everything to step into entrepreneurship and to start mm-hmm. speaking and writing on relationships. It was terrifying because I had no idea how I was going to pay my rent. You know, and it was a good, I started to feel into this space of like, what is possible just keeps expanding. But you know, like everything is scary the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like walking into a business and selling your services at 24. At least I could say I was, you know, 35 when I did it, so I didn't have <laughs> that as much. But the saboteur is still there. Who's like, why is anyone going to listen to you? How are you going to make money? What are you yeah. going to do? Like, ask mom and dad to move back in? <laughs> you know,
1: right, all right.
0: The things. So it's it's. I think it's fascinating that the more we leap into this sort of where your new um, comfort zone is discomfort in some sense.
1: Yes, yes. And then
0: what's possible just gets bigger.
1: Mm -hmm. And the more you evolve like that, the more value you can bring to yourself and to the other people that you're surrounded by and the other people that you serve. If If you know more of you, you have a larger perspective at which to speak about to help someone else get through what they're going through. And I just believe that the more... People tap into themselves, the more valuable they become to everybody. That's true
0: within relationship too, in that, you know, it's like if I have never had a hard conversation or I've never had the conversation that is in my mind, then I will never know what's possible with my partner. And also, like, I found that when I got to a certain place in relationship when I was young, before I started to study them in a romantic level, is I realized, you know, I remember getting to this breakup and thinking, like, how did I get here? And like, how do I never get here again, where I feel so disconnected from myself, who I am? And the first thing that came up for me was like, you ran from every hard conversation. And I was like, yep, that's Jeff. Cool. <laughs> you know, like, sounds right. I remember being in grade 12. Now it was like first year university. And I was dating my girlfriend um, from high school. And I remember we were in her room and we weren't getting along, you know, like there was stuff going on sort of underneath. And I remember thinking like, oh, we'll just... Like, we don't need to talk about it. It'll figure itself out.
1: <laughs> well, Yeah. It'll right.
0: Longer after that. <laughs> because eventually, you know, you can it's, you can only sweep so much under the rug before you trip on it. Mm-hmm. So how exactly. do you get to that? You know, because for me, I think of anyone listening in the context of their work or their relationships. You know, it's usually like when I get to this place, then I'll do it. When I, mm-hmm. When I read this book, then... I'll have a conversation or when I, you know, we are like always waiting to actually start. Let's be honest. Everybody's waiting to fucking start and they're coming up with all the fucking reasons in the world to not. Mm -hmm. And other than falling their ass out. What do we do?
1: Yeah. Let's, can we, can we talk about why they, I mean, I'll I'll preface my question by saying my wife just had an all women's uh, retreat this past weekend and yeah, she she did a really good job and super proud of her. And one of the things that we talked about is what people need to let go of to get to the next level. Mm. And I was in the audience and I was just asking people to throw out answers. Like, what do you personally need to let go of in order for you to embrace what you already feel is there, but you're scared to let go of or to, to embrace? They threw out fear. They threw out judgment. They threw out resentment. They threw out anger. They threw out, "Jeez, just... What else do they throw out? The, yeah, judgment. Like when you identify what you're most afraid of happening, when you actually make it to that level that you're wanting to go, then you can start doing the work on peeling back those layers. And for me, the biggest things that I've seen is judgment. What are people going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my significant other going to think? What are my friends going to think if I actually end up succeeding? what if I do this and I actually succeed? Does that mean I have to live a totally different life? Does that mean I have to get rid of my friends? And then your friends that see you succeeding are going to have their own personal kind of attachment to you. And if you start succeeding and they're not, Oh, what does that cause? That causes a whole other side of dynamic that you don't normally think about. So you are juggling all of these thoughts of what everyone else thinks about you when the only one that matters is what you want. So if you, if you put it in the context of you're wasting so much mental energy thinking about your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your boyfriend, your whoever, if you just trusted that you being your best would bring the people into your life that are supposed to be in your life, then it all makes sense. And for me, that what's helped me get to this level is like, if my friends currently are not going to go on the journey with me to explore how much I can be, then do I really need them in my life? You know, it's a hard question to ask.
0: Yeah. You're bringing, you're bringing the heat, you know, with that question. And I think, you know, I I can speak to my own experience when I left my engagement, I was terrified of what people would think about me, that I was a failure that, I was Peter Pan and afraid to grow up, that I was afraid of commitment.
1: commitment I, mean, I, yeah. I
0: was afraid those were true, you know, and I, I wasn't so afraid to trust the deeper part of me that was like, this isn't your path, that I was terrified of what people would think. And when I actually ended the engagement, my fears were met and, and very true. Like people mm-hmm. who were very close to me criticized me. Yeah. People that I was very concerned about their opinions had opinions. But I also realized that, um, you know, it came, eventually when I made that not about me, I realized that that was their own stuff.
1: Exactly. You know?
0: As you said, it's like, if they really love you and care about you, um, then if they can't in that container, then that's their own shit. Exactly. Like, we're all just
1: triggers waiting to be triggered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until, until we become aware of our own we're gonna continue to get triggered by what someone represents. Like if you said something to me, let's say you yelled at me a certain name and, and someone in my life called me that name in the same tonality that you did, and that triggered me, and I get upset and it ruins this whole call. It's not you that did that. It's what you represented that did that. So I'm not even seeing you. I might see my dad or I might see my uncle or I might see that guy that down the street that never knew me but said it to me. And That past thing that I wasn't aware of or I haven't worked through is now going to interrupt my progress right now in the moment, which is going to continue to keep that alive in the future until I decide that I'm no longer going to be controlled by the things in my past and I'm going to deliberately choose to rise up and choose the higher road and have a best version of me that I'm trying to always become that takes me out of that past self Or the victim mindset or the trauma that has been controlling my life for so long.
0: So it's really about letting go of the old story, stepping into a new one that's completely unfamiliar and terrifying as shit.
1: Yes, because the upside to that is a life that's way more fulfilling, a life where you can be more in tune with yourself, where you can pick up on more knowledge and information that you can't right now because you're just playing it safe. It's like, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Oh, man, that's such a different...
0: Are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose?
1: Exactly. I, you Play- know,
0: I think about that in the concept of human behavior, and that is true, right? Like, that we're generally living in a way to prevent ourselves from just experiencing more pain. hmm That's fucked. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. I. I I think it's interesting that till we actually wake up to this fact that we can actually create whatever life we want, we will continue to defend ourselves from living a worse life than the one we have. Yeah. And
1: yes, the, the more, the, right? The more we live in pain, the more pain, like the more we live in the same pain and we don't do anything about the more pain we're going to feel long-term because it's yeah. the compounding okay. of that pain. Exactly
0: and i think that is the the real conundrum with relationship too you know is that people complain about their relationships to other people and then that becomes part of their identity right a bunch of group mm-hmm. gets together they have a beer or a wine or whatever it's usually to do they usually have alcohol or caffeine with it yeah. and then they all marinate in their bullshit and then they're all they all leave and go back to the stories that feed their every friday night beer conversation mm-hmm. and instead of actually like ma- taking this energy that they are perceivably anchored to and actually, yes. but again, there's that unfamiliar, like what happens if I do that, then I won't be able to go to that group anymore because everyone's tied to the same fucking story. Go ahead. I mean, what is happening in that moment is that people are really in this state of just familiarity and they're, this, I talk about this a lot, that we are in these groups that we are concerned about staying within those groups. So we maintain the agreements that the group has made about how relationships are supposed to be, how we're supposed mm-hmm. to treat other people, um, what we're supposed to believe about our religion. You know, like mm-hmm. what is God supposed to be like? What's what's OK? What's not? What about sex? You know, like what sex is OK? What's not? What thoughts are pure? What thoughts are not? I mean, if everybody actually shared their unpure thoughts, we'd all sure. think. We, we would all have Craigslist profiles with requests yeah. up shit. You know, but right. because we are so afraid to just acknowledge that the human condition is odd, yeah. we all pretend like we are different, like that we're pure and we're fine. And
1: you know what I mean? It's just...
0: Right, there's two sides for sure.
1: I, I remember what you, I was going to say is when, when people get together and they tell those stories, sometimes, well, most times, we, we like to hold on to problems because problems allow us to justify why we shouldn't take action.
0: So and allow us the opportunity to justify why we shouldn't take action.
1: Exactly. Oh, I can't take action because, and I'm just translating, I can't take action because of what happened to me in my past. Oh, I can't start that business because of this thing that I've kept, I keep telling myself. So it, they're letting themselves off the hook, and they're saying it's okay for them not going after what they want because of some past thing that they keep putting in their face, blocking them from actually taking action. And what that would mean if they didn't use that story anymore is they would have to take ownership, responsibility, and accountability for how they show up in their life. And that's scary. And that's no one does that. Very few people do that.
0: Yeah, I remember there's this quote from Alan Watts where he says that the moment that you realize that you have conscious choice, you become the god you were taught to praise. Mm. that you are like the creator of your own world, as opposed to waiting for someone else to create your world or responding to the creation of your world. Yes. And, you know, in the context of what you were just saying, responsibility is the key to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, like, but the moment you say, I'm responsible for all my choices moving forward, it means that you have to take responsibility for all your choices you made.
1: Yes, all the good and all the bad.
0: And that is a shame train. Let me tell you, right? Uh Because all of a sudden, Uh you're like, well, if I chose everything, then why would I have chosen this, this, Mm -hmm. this? Right.
1: And that's where grace and forgiveness comes in is like, well, maybe you just weren't aware in that moment what you were doing. But now that you are, you can choose different. And that's where letting go. And that's where saying, you know what, I understand that I did make some choices in the past that maybe I'm not proud of, or maybe I wouldn't make again. But without those choices, it wouldn't have led me to right now in this moment where I realize that I can actually create my life right now. So let me just let it be because I can't change it. And let me make sure that I don't repeat my past. And I can be an example for everyone else and show them how when you take control of your life, you can, you can have influence on where it goes in a positive direction.
0: So when you have this experience of shame and you don't want to look at it, you're actually like feeling shame for the very part of you that went through something that is teaching you something today. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating that like the mm. very part of us that we're pissed off at and, and like ashamed over is actually the only reason we know that we're capable of a better decision. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Just thinking about this. I'm like, is that actually how it works? <laughs> That's cr- because we live so much in that space where we stay in a gain of familiar pain of I'm not enough. Look at me. I fucked up. Look at how. Th- but in that is like, OK, yeah, but pick up your big boy, big girl pants and let's move forward and let's use that knowledge to transform.
1: Right. Right. It's a there's a, a saying that says your problem is the portal. Mm, I love that. You know, it's like the thing that you don't want to look at is the thing that you most need to look at.
0: So, whatever you're running from is where you need to stop running. Run to. Yeah. Yes. Take a look at what you're being called to grow into.
1: Yes. That's where the transformations are.
0: Exactly. And every challenge, every problem, whether it be relational or whether it be life, um, is an opportunity for us to continue to upgrade ourselves. Absolutely. I think about it as as I mean, you have two perspectives on life that are capable. One is that everything is divinely planned for you to become a better human being. Or everything's just fate and, you know, it doesn't matter what the fuck you do. But patterns only repeat themselves when we don't learn from them. hmm You know, and I think it's beautiful for people to know that patterns aren't who you are. Yes. Which means you
1: can change them. Absolutely. And you can recondition your circuitry. So here's a crazy kind of way of looking at the brain again. So on, in, every, in any second, like right now, in this moment, our brain is actually capable of perceiving 40 million bits of data per second, like just subconsciously. Okay. But we're only actually aware of consciously 126 bits. 126 out of 40 million? Out of 40 million. And so in my workshops, I draw a big circle on a whiteboard and then I draw a little tiny dot in the middle of that circle and I said, here's what and then the bigger circle I'm saying this is what we're actually aware of subconsciously like our brain is constantly reading the environment who do I need to be what's going on how do I need to show up all of this stuff but we're only actually aware of this little dot so we're missing out on a lot of life and you're saying okay so what does that mean that means if I believe this is uh, please stop me if it doesn't make sense I really want you guys to get this point the mind, So 40 million bits, 126 that we're actually aware of. This is important because the things that you think about that you believe is what your brain is going to go into the environment and search for. Yeah. So let's say that you were in a relationship and it broke up. You broke up and it was really bad and you didn't like it, right? And you assigned in that moment a belief. That all guys or all women are assholes or they're mean or I will never be, have a successful relationship. And that's the nurses, belief that you – I hear that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So in your environment, you're going to be picking up on all the information that makes that true for you. And if you say, oh, there's no good jobs out there paying this X amount of dollars, okay, you're right. You know, there's, there's no people out there that actually just care genuinely about your, me or anybody. Okay, you're right. Then only thing that you're going to see is all the people that make you right. And that's the power of our mind. It's always searching for how to make you right. So if you're going to fight for your misery and for your problems, you're just going to get more information that reinforces the problem.
0: And I do see that from the validation of the issue, you know, it's like confirmation bias. You know, yes. You see this in terms of all beliefs, beliefs about religion. Look at us. We bring in information that supports it and we get rid of anything that challenges it. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and you see this in <laughs> politics, especially now, you know, that like you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, as opposed to, you know, I think it's the most powerful thing when a human can hold many beliefs at the same time. Yes. And none yes. of them are right. You know, and that's such an interesting space to be able to get to, but to go, to know that our mind is only filtering 126, Bits, bits of, yeah. out of forty million, that tells you that we are missing out on thirty nine and then a bunch of zeros and then <laughs> right. The, the, whatever uh, 7- right seventy four. So we have eight hundred seventy four. So we have like all of this information that is readily available to us that is far more than the confirmation bias that we've selected from the Absolutely. environment. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like in the relationship research that if you believe your partner is um is a bad partner. You'll pick out all the things, all the bad things. Yeah, it's shown in some of the research from John Gottman that um, partners who are highly critical miss fifty percent of the good things that their partner does.
1: I totally believe that.
0: Yeah, and it shows you like how much our relational environments are just a product of our. They're just an outside um, uh, evidence of our internal condition of our internal yes. view of the world.
1: Yeah. And I've heard you talk about this, the most important relationship is the one with yourself because if you if you can't get that right, then, you know, it's going to be very challenging for you to make another one work outside of you. And, you know, that just requires going deep and becoming aware of all the things that set you off, all of the, all, how you become the person that you are now, you know, and what you want, your values, your beliefs, and all of that.
0: So in the, in your work, you know, being that you make people move through their mindset, you obviously moved through from being a 24 year old doing this work (laughs) and stuck through it and kept expanding and doing all of these things. And what is it that you see are the core, first off the core characteristics of people who just crush life. So what are the Mm -hmm. like core characteristics that you see in people who just make life their, you know, I was gonna say their baby, but that sounds weird. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, we know what you mean. Um, they have this, what do you call it, a grit or just this resiliency of once they set a goal, they're just, that's it. They just go after it and they don't care what people think and they just take action. You know, they, They're able to understand that me not taking action is worse than me taking action. And so they paint this picture of... Me not taking any action is worse by me not giving, getting the relationship that I want, me not making the money that I want, me not being the type of person that I want, me not understanding more about myself, which will cause this relationship or this situation to get worse. They always find a way to make their current situation worse if they don't do anything. And then once they get the momentum in the direction that they're wanting to go and they're already committed to the path, then they have momentum on their side and it's easier to sustain it. But it's like you have to know what's the hell if you don't. What's Once the hell you get, if you don't? Yeah, hell if you don't and then heaven if you do. And there's no gray in between that. I'm sure that there is. But if we're speaking simplistically like yeah. that, that's how I see it is if I, let's say I want to make a million dollars or let's, let's go with smaller. I want to make $100,000. Yeah. And if, okay, so why? Why is that important to you? Well, I want to have the lifestyle that you want. Well, what's if you don't get it? What is at stake? Well, I'm going to be in debt. I'm not going to be able to live in the life that I want. I'm not going to be able to support my wife the way that I want to. I'm not going to be able to travel the world like I want to. I'm not going to all and then I'm going to find that one leverage point where it sticks and it's like I can't live without that. That's mm-hmm. the hell if I don't. And everyone has I their leverage so point. Much. That matter, it's, it, it's, it could be your kids. It could be something as simple as what is your best friend going to think? Like it, you could, if you want to use judgment on a positive side, you yeah. can say, okay, well, what is your best friend going to think if you don't do it?
0: And you can and use that, the haters.
1: Yeah, you can use the haters. Are you going to make the hater right? That they said that you couldn't do this or are you actually going to step up and make this happen? And it's like, you got to find that leverage and everyone has a different point. Everyone is completely different. So in my questioning, I'm always searching for what's that leverage point? Once I find that, everyone's motivation levels just skyrockets. But that's not enough to sustain the action. So then you need the heaven if you do. If you do change, if you do take action, if you do ask for the sale, if you do put the podcast episode out, if you do say I love you to the person in the relationship, what does that mean? What's the ultimate that that's going to lead to? A better relationship, more love, better sex, more money, more fulfillment. Uh, I'm able to help more people fill in the blank. And everyone has that high heaven, if you will. So I'm always searching for those two points. And I think people who do really good and get and achieve their goals are really, whether it's conscious or unconscious, really good at that process.
0: When I'm thinking for people listening, you know, is being able to identify, like, what, you know, as you said, like, what is your why? What is the one fucking thing that matters more to you? than anything and the hell Mm -hmm. if you don't is like what's your bottom i think it's fascinating though that humans often need to hit the bottom to change although we obviously don't need to you can change in any moment you know it's not like when someone quits smoking it doesn't take two years it takes the day they decide that enough is enough and that's when someone leaves a relationship that's and i made this one sort of like interesting transformation for myself that was a language transformation and it was that I used to wait till I had to do things Mm. and I saw how much more powerful it was when I chose to. And what I mean by that is like, if I had to have a hard conversation because I was leaving the next day versus I chose to have it because it's important now and I'm not going to wait till four days from now when I have to, Yes. And what was really powerful, because you can always wait till you have to, don't get me wrong, you can transform and you can do the thing. And we put our asses against the wall all the fucking time to do that. But I had this huge shift when I went, I choose to. And that made a huge empowering difference. But I think Mm -hmm. of, you know, the heaven if I do. And then I guess that's the possibilities that you don't even know about yet, but you get to imagine.
1: Yeah, when I, I think just hearing from what you just said, uh, like the have to versus the get to or I choose to, there's a lot more ownership in the choose to and there's a lot more sense of control over your own fate when you choose to rather than being put against the, like your back against the wall and you have to perform now. And so I think with that comes a a, a more more energy, more fulfillment, more like you're playing, you're actually active in life mm-hmm. and you're being It's like chess game. You're actually winning the game when you choose to than waiting till you have to. It's proactive versus reactive. And I'd rather be proactive because you have more options. It's less stressful than having to wait till the very end. And I think overall, just the feeling of that process is much more smooth than hitting rock bottom. When you're taking full responsibility for your life. Absolutely. You're
0: like no longer am I going to wait till the universe makes me have to have a conversation or I'm going to actually make the universe respond to me. I'm going to make the Mm -hmm. environment react to me, which is, I mean, that is that ultimate power experience when you're in relationship with someone and you're not just at, you know, you're not just a product of their emotions. You're not a product of their decisions, their feelings. You get to actually have them too. You get to decide what conversations happen. You get to decide where your relationship goes and where your life goes. And man, that is such a transformation for so many people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then that leads to like an independent relationship rather than a dependent one. If it's one-sided and you feel like you can't be yourself in that relationship or you're just hoping that the other person is going to heal you or do the thing that you want them to do, then what is that? what kind of relationship is that? That's not going to last long-term. And then you're going to build up resentment because you feel like you can't open up to them or you can't say anything to them. And then it's going to evolve. You're going to say something you don't mean. You're going to do something that you don't want to do. But when you say, you know what? I want this type of relationship. I want this type of life. And I'm going to choose to take action in the direction that's going to lead to that. You're going to attract more behaviors and more people that align with that behavior. Because if you're seeing something, it means it's already in you. So if I see that you're a positive person, if I see that you're taking action, if I see that you're proactive, and I like that, it's because there's a part of me that recognizes me and you, and I'm gonna want to be a part of that relationship, and vice versa for the negative side of things.
0: What is the number one, or uh, you know, I'm like friggin' creating these number lists? Five ways. <laughs> Or whatever. Next blog post. Yeah, right. But I'm wondering, <laughs> like, what is the number one skill set or characteristic of, or the skill that you have clients work on the most first?
1: Hmm. Everybody, you know, there's there's like a few things. Yeah, what are they? there's One is like, I mean, I think we may have talked about this when we first met up, but parts. I call it part integration. You know, it's, it's all about recognizing that certain parts of you have gotten rewarded. And so you tend to be more of those parts. And that part can be the funny one. Like you cracked a joke when you were younger and you got laughs. So now you feel like you have to be the funny one or you were the achiever. And as soon as you got a trophy, your mom and dad were there clapping and you're like, Oh, I got love from achieving. And so you're the achiever. You're the comedic one person, or maybe you were just sad and and people came to your rescue and they're like, Hey, are you okay? And you just learned that that's where I get attention. So one of the things that I do is I help people understand that there's more to them than they actually know. And when you holistically accept all of those parts, you're able to step more fully into the experience, become more present in the moment and show up way different than how people show up which is half of who they are and you become much more dynamic in all the situations that you find yourself in in life whether you're in a boardroom or you're in a bedroom or you're in a bar or you're in a restaurant or you're just meeting someone for the first time when you know that there's parts of you that you don't access that you can that can enhance your life that's freeing. And then you don't have to hold that thing down because it never got attention. So you think it's not useful or you think people won't like it if it comes out. We spend so much energy on keeping it down. When, when you holistically accept yourself, you're able to be much more flexible in situations that arise in your life.
0: Flexible so, but, in what way? Because you have more access to other parts that just haven't been developed or tapped into?
1: Yes, Yes. And because you free that. So I'll I'll give you an example. So there's this lady who was an achiever and kind of like very robotic with all of her actions. She felt like she needed to achieve. She set a list. I want this. And she went to work on it and she just did that. She was just achiever, but she lost this creative side of her, this part of her that was where love was, where presence was, where just her ability to flow, let her hair down and dance. Right. And She lived so much in that masculine quote unquote energy where it's just one dimensional and she abandoned the feminine part because her dad gave her love for being the masculine part. So then she got into a relationship with another masculine guy. And anytime you have two masculine parts in a relationship, one's going to have to go feminine. And if the man goes feminine and the woman stays masculine, that's not at her core. So, she kind of resents the man for not being masculine, but she's taking the role of the masculine. Yeah, that makes. Sense. Does that make sense? So yeah. when she accepts ex- him, exactly. And so when she accepts the femininity in her, the flow, the creativity, all of that, she can step more into that space and integrate more the mind of the logic and the emotion and be more holistic. Take moment. Take a moment to visualize more of her life, rather than just get stuck in the process. She can appreciate more things. She can give more love to her kids and to her husband. She can be more of who she was born to be, not someone that she got rewarded for being. Wow, that's such a shift for people because that goes. That's the ultimate development
0: away from whatever your survival strategy was as a kid or your defense yes. strategy to feel enough to get the love of your family, your dad, your mom. And all of a sudden you're invited into this space where you have to develop and holistically <laughs> fill in shoes that you've been making partners fill. Yeah. You know, And then all of a sudden you get to uh, have a partner love all of you instead of subcontracting all your healing to them.
1: Yes, and that is, that's the love I think people are wanting. But it requires vulnerability. It requires hard work and awareness. It requires uncomfortable conversations. It requires you looking at things that you don't want to look at. But on the flip side, what it leads to is a deeper level of love and understanding and connection that when someone stands across from you in a relationship, whether it's your family, your parents, your significant other, and they see all of you, they say, yeah, I understand that you're masculine, but you also have this beautiful feminine. I love that. I love every part of you, the good, the bad, the parts where you're not up to par with parts that you don't even like. I love it all. Full acceptance that transforms everything. And when you can feel full in the presence of other people, you hold the space for other people to feel more comfortable around you, which unlocks more parts of them. And then they leave that conversation being able to give more love or presence or energy to other people as well.
0: So you step into this place of, of integration, of masculine, yes. feminine, of authenticity, of self-expression, of all those things. And then, as the people around you get very fucking uncomfortable with the new <laughs> version of you, because when you do that, you're changing the agreements that old relationships are based upon. And so now they're mad or resentful that you've changed the way that, like, if a couple smokers are hanging out, one person quits smoking, the smoker's not going to be happy about that. They it might be happy logically, but they're not happy from a behavioral perspective, generally speaking.
1: Right. And
0: so they try to get you to become a smoker again for the most part, even subconsciously, you know, they might be Mm -hmm. like, let's go have a beer because they know (laughs) that if you have a beer, you'll have a cigarette. So it's interesting though, that as you were saying earlier, that it's a true sign of your expansion when people don't like what you're doing, if it's obviously in a positive direction.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: I think as humans can be kind of confusing because what is clearly a positive direction, like growth you know, or like starting to read more books, like, oh, I noticed that you're reading books about emotions. What's going on with you? <laughs> right? Like, there's something wrong. Yeah. Right. Like, I noticed you're actually talking different. Oh, how's that going? You know, like where we shame someone for expansion. And so I think the biological part of us that's afraid of rejection codes that as like red alert. We've mm-hmm. got to be part of this group. Yeah. Which is kind of
1: sad. It is, it is. And I think everybody wants progression. You know, progression equals equals happiness. Like, and happiness can only be in the present moment. So if you're bettering yourself in the moment by choosing something that is not from your past, that is only going to lead to more of that in the future, you actually choose something that you want to be. You're going to feel happy about that. You actually, you won. You just won in that moment. And because you did it in this moment, the chances of you doing again in the next moment are really high. And if yes. you just continue that, you fast forward a year from now, you're going to look back and be a totally different person. And yeah, it's going to cause ruffling of some feathers. But, but then again, if a relationship isn't evolving, it's dying. You know, and if you get into a relationship thinking that the other person is going to stay the same for the rest of your life, I got news for you. That just okay. doesn't happen. Not only you're going to get bored as shit. Exactly. Yeah. If, if Every person can relate to this. If your significant other is predictable in the bed and date night on whatever they say, that shit is boring. Totally. You
0: want them to put a finger where you're not familiar with, to give you a little (laughs) tickle, you know, to all of a sudden, you know, pull out a toy or whatever it is. Whatever. Because that's the part is, and I think this really comes down to, we want certainty and we want mystery. You know, we like want everything, (laughs) but we actually, the mystery and the curiosity terrifies the shit out of us. Which Mm. This again, you know, sort of comes back to like how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? It's like how you handle your dreams, your passions, your vulnerabilities will be the same in every single aspect of your life. And if Mm -hmm. you can't get to your own bullshit on your own, I'm never gonna, if I don't love everything about me, even the crusty parts, if yeah. you love them and you tell me that, I won't believe you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that, I mean, I love this conversation because for me, it's like, I, I know that whoever you are listening, that there's a part that resonates always, like for me too, of what's comfortable and what am I allowing? Yes. And who am I, if I could be anything, which is a question we ask kids, but then when they get old, we're like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But when the kids are like, yeah, an astronaut, that's totally real. Right, right. It's so true. You, you went going back to certainty and, and mystery. I think you're 100% there. And I think what happens is people want certainty outside of themselves. And I think if you if we crave the certainty and we make certainty internal, meaning you control you because that's really the only thing that you can control, yeah. and you just allow the flow of the external, which is always a mystery, to just continue to be a mystery, you get the best of both worlds. But when you're trying to control the mystery, you're always going to fail. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? <laughs> and, you know, I, I wonder
0: too because I think with the – There's a pain in knowing that you can't. There's a pain in knowing that you can't control life. Yeah. You know, because when you can't control life, it brings you things like death. It brings you things like endings of any kind. It brings you illness. It brings you unpredictability. And acknowledging that means that you have to flow with life. Now, we know logically that's just true. Mm -hmm. But yet we pick up addictions and we become obsessive about things like even passions like fitness like our food alcohol sex drug you know all these ways that we try to over control because we don't want to deal with the existential crisis that is (laughs) the ever-changing world that we live in
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and i don't know the answer to that one all i know is that when you can actually just live your life um like a tree, then life becomes, <laughs> you know, you just trust. you know, I remember, I, I don't know who's, I, I think it's Alan Watts who talks about, he's a philosopher for people who don't know who he is, um, who's passed, but he called himself a spiritual entertainer. And mm. he basically brought Eastern philosophy to the Western world. He has a cool accent, kind of like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You know, the voice of God. Um, but he talked about how, like, the you don't, the universe doesn't, think about like you don't think about growing your nails and growing your hair it just happens it just happens yeah just like a tree isn't like oh today I'm gonna this branch will grow a little more and this it just everything is so simple Mm -hmm. and if we could just live that way
1: yeah or and, and just be more present you know like anxiety and depression don't come from this moment no you know, they come from the past and the future. So, if we can learn to train ourselves by being present, by noticing the environments that we're in, by recognizing what we're feeling and just connecting to the environment, the person, the thing that we're doing, and really become mindful of every moment, at least as many moments as we can, we're going to start reprogramming the way we think. And we'll slowly start building more of an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. And you just start developing trust in yourself. And you, you mentioned faith, faith in yourself. And if you say you don't believe in faith, you believe in faith. If you're driving a car, you believe in faith. You know, you're trusting that the other person's going to drive the way they're supposed to drive. Everyone has faith, but when you can develop it in yourself, that's when you stop craving it externally and you're just like, I, I, I trust myself enough to know I can deal with whatever comes my way.
0: And you certainly can't trust yourself if you ignore yourself. Yes. You know? And, you know, I think about this for anyone who's in relationship with someone who lies a lot and you believe their lies, knowing a different truth and you start to feel like you're growing crazy. It's because you live in a world where lies are the truth. And if you mm-hmm. live in a world where lies are the truth, then you can't trust yourself and that is a huge, you know. You were talking about anxiety and depression, and I think that's obviously a uh, a loaded um, conversation for a lot of people because it's yeah. true. But it's not loaded for me, um, and that <laughs> maybe that pisses people off too. <laughs> it's not loaded for me because depression is because we are pressing down feelings. Yes, and there's you know, and anxiety is usually, as you were saying, they're both uh, parts of not being present. And anxiety is because we feel like often we feel in this moment that we're creating a future we don't want, or we don't, Mm -hmm. we're not able to control the future. And Mm -hmm. accepting that is even challenging. And then, and again, this is a controversial subject, but I, I find it fascinating that with positive emotions, we are taught to seek them. And with negative emotions, we're taught there's something wrong with us, as opposed to positive and negative emotions are only coded as positive and negative. Mm -hmm. Coded them as a society, as opposed to realizing that feelings are just information. And you said earlier to separate yourself from your thoughts and your feelings. Yes. And when you can separate yourself from your thoughts and your feelings, you can start to use them as they're the other 36 million, nine million fights that we're not listening to. Hmm. And I think it's crazy to me that if someone, if you put your hand on a stove, you would move your hand ideally. But if you are feeling sad, we do something to numb the sadness instead of moving or changing or growing or saying no or saying that's not okay, the way you're being is not okay, the way I'm being is not okay. And it's really interesting to me that culturally we are, Afraid of actually confronting sad feelings.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if we don't confront it, it gets bigger and it gets worse, and we feel it more. It's like we all know that feeling of like something we've been hiding for a long time, and then we actually just come out and say it, and we're like, "Oh my
0: gosh!" Right, that, that like weight pounds off your shoulders.
1: Yeah, you don't have to have the weight.
0: No, and 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 it's not yours to carry. You know, I think that's what's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, right. If your role as a child was to take care of your family or to take, or your mom or dad put their emotions on you, which happens mm-hmm. all the fucking time. Yeah. Because you don't have to pass a test to become a parent, you know? And and I think that it's, when we, we have taken that role, it's so normal for us to feel like we have to carry everything. And when someone finally comes along and goes, and we're like, whoa, what the fuck? Right. I'm like popped up here. I'm all... Primed up. I don't have to carry all that. What do you mean I don't have to carry that? And then you realize that everything you've been carrying was by choice.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. You
0: got validated for it.
1: Correct. Right. Man, and your identity was the carrier, you know, or the or the provider, or the I have to make everything okay.
0: Or the sad person. Or, or the sad the, person. Or the funny person, as you Right, said.
1: right. So
0: expansion is always about just breaking old paradigms of who we thought we needed to be and being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yes. All right. So if you could Mm. summarize, what is the top things that people (laughs) can do
1: right now to shift this shit? Mm -hmm. Um, First thing I would say is you got to know some sort of way, clarity-wise, what you're going for what you want because if you're using the excuse that you don't know which is what a lot of people say because it, it buys them time to not have to think about it then you're just going to continue to feel the same thing so you, where are you going who are you wanting to be what is that version of you that you want to step into that you've always wanted to step into and get really clear on that how do they walk how do they talk what kind of words do they use what how do they react in certain situations do they say yes more? Do they stand their ground and have boundaries? Do they say no more? What, what is the personality type that you're wanting to be? Get clear on that. And then when faced with a hard decision where you normally chose to act how you used to act, in that moment, there's going to be maybe two to three seconds and you, you got to choose the new route. And you just got to be mindful of that. And at first, it takes a lot of mental energy, it takes a lot of mental focus. But compounding of that, 64 days, roughly, you'll start to form a new way of thinking. Hold on, 64 new, days. 64 days.
0: That's how long it takes to actually change the way you think.
1: Habitually
0: habitually yeah usually i, I mean people 21
1: i've heard 21 too and i think that's old now i think charles duhigg who is really big on behavior and and uh habits recently just said 64 days
0: you know and i i feel like that research is very true because anyone who tried the 21 day thing went back to the old <laughs> kid right like <laughs> yeah, oh,
1: exactly. give me another bit. <laughs> right
0: cigarette. you know we did it <laughs> yeah so 64 days is the new science on transformation right.
1: As far as my understanding goes, yes it is.
0: And you know anybody can do something for 64 days. You could make bad decisions for 64 days. You could certainly make good ones if you realize that your reward system was tied to a person you didn't want to be. Yes. It's amazing how simple that is. But yet, what the fuck
1: Right. 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 And if you want this really bad, you have to put yourself in an environment where people are going to hold that standard for you and that accountability. And, 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 and that comes with friendships. And if you don't have friendships like that, go to your family. If you don't have family like that, go to your significant other. If you don't have a significant other like that, then you got to find a program, a mastermind, whatever. I don't know. Get around someone who demonstrates what you want. And you're going to learn through osmosis how to reprogram yourself just by mirror neurons being in the environment and just soaking in what that person is exuding initially. So, um,
0: so hang out with people who are the way you want to be and you will automatically download their values and their behaviors. Correct. Greatest. It's not even a hack. I hate hacks. There's no, such yeah. as a Hack. there's no That's shortcut to anything. People stop thinking there's shortcuts, right? Because it's not what you get. It's who you become doing the thing. You yes. Know? Like that's you the price. Take a pill and have boundaries. You got to no. have a boundary and then right. realize what the pill tastes like. And then you're yeah. like, that's what the pill is supposed to give me self-worth. Holy shit. You can't just do that. No, you have to act like it. Mm-hmm. And man, we say that with love, of course.
1: Of course. Always with love.
0: Okay. So that, I mean, we basically have solved humanity's problems. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> i'm still gonna have problems but challenges like <laughs> challenges um so james where do people find you
1: i know yeah you have no so podcast. i do it's the be that one percent podcast all about doing what 99 percent of the people won't do uh which is a lot of what we talked about here today just choosing different living life on your terms so you can find me there uh i also have an instagram at james underscore s-i-l-v-a-s, S-I-L-V-A-S can find me there always answer the dms and just serve in any way that i can and website is james if you want to check me out there i have a youtube but i'm not too active on it
0: we're gonna link it all out for people and um is there a way to contact you if they want to get a hold of you and ask some one percent questions
1: yeah james at silvus
0: sweetness so james works with companies he works with individuals and Mm -hmm. um you know we've had a couple of dive-ins together and and I just love your, your energy, your motivation, how you show up to this world, how you serve. I mean, it's clear you get real pumped up about human potential.
1: Honored, brother. Honored. I've seen, I've seen people, when they finally realize what they have inside and they step into that, it's the most rewarding thing to see. And I, that's why I do what I do. I, I love seeing those breakthroughs. Man, I am
0: so happy to have you on here because we talked about so many things that I just freaking love and 64 days might depress me for a little bit but i'm that (laughs) one was bullshit right 30 and that was four weeks and then i (laughs) i think i had like it's not working it's not sticking right i had pizza on day 31 (laughs) so um so everyone you know where to find him and i'm so happy to have you on here thank you so much brother and honored uh, thank you so much